Great British Drafting Show, an exclusive off-season series where we'll be taking a weekly look at the 2020 NFL Draft and how the Panthers might approach it. We are a proud part of the Riot Network, which is powered by Ortho Carolina. That's all your Panthers podcast you could possibly want all in one place. Uh, if you do enjoy the show, uh, please do be sure to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts to help other Panthers fans find us. Uh, my name's Ollie. I'm one of the leaders of the Royal Riot here in the UK, uh, and I'll be your host right up to the draft, which is just a few weeks away now. Um, but as usual, I am joined by none other than our draft guru, Mr. Vincent Richardson. How are you doing this week, sir? I'm I'm doing pretty good, just about coping with the uh, the sort of uh, home isolation. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's uh, it's it's an interesting time we're living in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 you reading stuff with, with interest about the, this virtual draft that we're we're going to be having, and yeah. and you've got um, teams actually starting to worry about other teams hacking into their conferences. It, it, we could be in for a a real ride. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I looking think... at the I'm looking at the Patriots here. If we're talking about teams oh, no, 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 draft, yeah. <laughs> it's is going to be really interesting how it kind of it works out because it is something that sort of you know if, if you had like six months to prepare you'd kind of have this really detailed idea of how you do it but probably three months ago no one had ever thought they'd be in this situation and so it's probably going to be sort of three weeks of very frantically trying to work out how to actually make this work in a secure and sort of structured way because the last thing you want is obviously the draft picks are timed and stuff you don't want teams trying to pretend they've got technical flaws so they can get an extra five minutes all this you know it, it, it's finding a way of doing it rigorously is going to be really quite interesting it is going to be interesting and i'm fascinated to watch it um do you, do you know off the top of your head how it's being shown here in the uk i think sky usually do is it is it game I, pass as well i have no idea i think the issue is game pass quite often works through some kind of other streaming device for the, things like this like the, the the live broadcast type stuff so I'm not totally sure. How yeah, it's maybe the NFL Network. But we'll, we'll have a look into that and, and we'll work out for, for the next one uh, for any UK listeners out there. Um, so this week, let's let's dive into it then because we've got quite a few players that we want to cover off. We've got an exciting position to cover today because we're going to be looking at running backs. Yep. Um, like I said, exciting because, you know, the skill positions are always fun. Um, you know, for any fantasy fans out there, it's always going to be quite interesting. Um we may not spend too much time on the Panthers today because I think we've probably got a running back um, that, yeah. that we can rely on. Um, but maybe some uncover some fantasy rookies, some of those some of those real sleepers that you might be able to tip people off about. Still plenty of, uh, for us to talk about this week. Yes, yeah. Yeah, there's, I think it probably isn't going to be the, the position group the Panthers are going early in the draft with um, for, for obvious reasons. <laughs> You'd hope not. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If, they, if they did, then we really, really do have problems. Yeah, you, you've got to question sort of basic competence if that does start happening. But um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure it's a position the Panthers really have much space for. I think if if they'd moved on from Davis, then maybe you could make an argument that there was sort of a, a potential need there for more of a sort of a downhill runner. But he's currently still on the roster, even though he's got a relatively large cap hit. You know, it's it's a position where you'd be surprised if they didn't add someone because. There will be quality UDFAs just because the position, you know, is not super highly valued in terms of draft assets, you know, and it's quite deep generally. So most teams will probably add some rookie, even if it's just a camp body to take some carries during the preseason. Um, but but obviously that has a spectrum from someone you're certain is just going to be a camp body to someone who maybe has a bit of, you know, has a chance to compete for a, for a spot on the bottom of the roster. 
Um, and although CMC is obviously going to prevent the Panthers from investing a ton of assets into the position, outside of CMC, there aren't any sort of definite definites. While like, obviously I think Reggie Bonifon looked really quite good last year, uh, there isn't like a clear, these are the three guys who are going to be on the roster, so why bother ranting anybody? So I, I think while it's not going to be like a major focus of the Panthers, you can't really rule anything out when you get to the third day because then it is very much a matter of, of who's still available and how good they are. Absolutely. So yeah, it'll, it'll, the third day maybe a point in which we see it, but we'll cover the, the Panthers off um, a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, let's kick things off as, as we quite often do, um, talking about the skill sets needed. Now, to my untrained eye, I think we all know the obvious skills that are needed to be a running back, um, be able to to run and hold on to the ball are probably two pretty good ones. Um, <laughs> but for for the untrained eyes like mine out there. What are some of the, the sort of the nuances and perhaps the unseen skill sets that, that you look for in a running back that's really going to make a difference? Yeah, so I think actually that running back is one of the positions that is is most similar between college and the NFL, at least it, for the actual like ball carrying element, at least. But, you know, all those schemes are different. Like you, you have to show the same skill sets largely for most schemes. So it, dep- it does obviously the difference value of different ones depends on scheme and other players. But but ultimately, you, you do want to see a player you know, be able to hold on to the ball. Like, you know, fumbles are quite hard to judge on tape because they're, they're not something that happens frequently enough for you to really get a firm statistical grip of it. Like, you know, if players, if one player fumbled it 30 times a year and one player fumbled it 60 times a year, that's like a clear discrepancy. But but generally fumbles, you're talking about a handful of plays over the course of an entire season. So it, it, that's something that, unless you've got a real reason to see, think it's hap- it's a real consistent problem, you are that's kind of something you are guessing at a little bit and something you probably should be able to teach, if I'm honest. Um, but, you, you know, you're looking for a mixture of physical traits and kind of technical and mental aspects. So physically, you, you know, obviously... The faster and quicker somebody is, and the more agile they are, the better. You know, it allows them to get the, you know, get down the hill um, much faster. It means that they can probably turn, you know, longer plays into to, to runaway touchdowns. Because if you know, you watch Christian McCaffrey a number of times last year, he got through the hole, and rather than getting caught at the twenty-yard line, he took it to the house because he runs faster than someone else. Say, um, so like, you, a lot of it is just physicality. You want you want the guys to get downhill to have to have the the, the quickness to to hit the gaps and to, the speed to take it. Uh, the distance but you also there are a lot of sort of other maybe less obvious physical skills that are quite nice like balance is really quite important for running backs because although you know strength does factor when you're just like running at someone and looking to just truck them into the ground but quite often a lot of the contact running backs take is kind of slight knocks or like get catching their foot slightly as they go through a gap or like a, a, a like a glancing hit and how they can keep moving one keep them maintain their balance while taking that contact that's also really useful to see so how how someone is able to deal with 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 contact and their balance and how they're able to adjust their motion those are all quite useful uh, things to see as well particularly for sort of more downhill runners um your also vision is obviously very important it's like how a running back reads running lanes and again this varies between schemes so sometimes it's just like this is your gap run in your gap and run as hard as you can um whereas other schemes do much more sort of work behind the line and some players are much more um sort of downhill versus side to side and so like some of what we'll talk about is just like stylistic differences um but yeah you, you really want to be able to see a player understand how the gaps are evolving in front of them and like the very high level of that is running backs actively manipulating running lanes to create bigger uh, gaps so you know if, if you know a linebacker is is trying to 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 pick between two gaps trying to tr- 
sort of tempt them into one gap so you can break it into the other. Those are some sort of the higher level vi vision and gap manipulation type things. And then obviously there are some like higher tier traits as it were, because ultimately, you know, if a running back follows their blockers, hits the right gap and hits it pretty hard, they will be quite effective as a ball carrier. Like you don't need to, to, to make any hugely special plays. I mean, this is sort of some of the, the reproducibility of running backs that if you just kind of, you, you do, what's expected of you and you do it well consistently you will get pick up four or five yards on most on, on, on over an average but what separates the very best runners is kind of the ability to then make that final man miss so that if you know if everyone else gets blocked up and it's you versus the safety in the hole you're you're able to make them miss and so some of that is kind of pre-prepared move so if you play Madden or ncaa or something like that you know like jukes and spins and all these kind of things like having some of that that you, obviously that isn't going to make you a great running back but that that can elevate very good ball carriers to great ball carriers, just that ability to to make that final tackle a miss and turn that kind of seven or eight yard carry into potentially a 30 yard carry or a long touchdown. Um, the other bits of it is how you then impact the passing game. And I think that's, we'll come to talk about this more in terms of the value bit, but but maybe how ball carriers, the expectation has changed over over recent years that, that running backs now have to be a major impact on the passing game. Some of that is pass protection. I mean, personally i don't think you should be using running backs in pass protection a ton and it's pretty clear for the panthers joe brady is not likely to use running backs in pass protection a ton so this isn't that important but for certain situations you do you know it is useful to see running backs pass protect so this is something that's probably easier to judge in interviews because some guys just weren't asked to do it but you need to be able to pick up the right guy you need to have the technique to actually hold them and there's some like physical bits that you know ultimately if you're a five foot 980 pound running back you, you you're going to struggle so like pass protection is is, is one of the things that not a lot of not a lot of draft prospects do it well so it's kind of a thing that elevates a few players rather than being something to grade everybody on but those who are notably good pass protectors that does elevate them but then the final bit and sorry, this is quite a long list but the thing that really is important for running backs is, is how they're able to impact as receivers and that means one you've got to be able to catch the ball and there are running backs who just can't and jonathan stewart for the panthers is a great example of somebody who you know, you can throw him the ball and it will be a, like a, a check down if you absolutely have to. But he repeatedly showed that you couldn't consistently expect him to catch the ball. And, like, you know, he was a good enough ball carrier. That wasn't the end of the world. But, you know, you need running backs who can catch. And the better ones, and we'll talk about some of these as we go through, guys who can actually clear, create separation underneath as route runners and aren't just there to, to, to throw a swing pass to every now and then, but can actually go out and be a, a really significant part of your underneath passing game and not just a check down option. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that um, CMC is is the first uh, running back to ever be that that dual threat. But do you think the prominence of him over the last couple of years has started to, I don't want to say change the game, but started to make the teams look at running backs as as being more of a hybrid role? And there, he has actually had an impact because, yeah, I mean, look, look at his numbers and, you know, hitting thousand thousand. It doesn't happen very often. So do you think this could almost signal the start of a, of a slight change in philosophy to getting running backs more involved in the passing game? Um, I don't know whether it's sort of CMC instigated, because obviously that there are players in the past who've who've done it. Yeah, Marshall Falk was clearly a big part of the running game. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is an example of a guy who was very involved in the in, in, in the in the passing game. Um and, and you know, while it, they haven't been sort of full time sort of running backs guys like um oh uh yeah, Alvin Kamara, who came through with 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 um, with CMC, isn't quite as 
dominant in terms of his number of touches, but has had a similar effect on the passing game. And Darren Sproles, if you go back a few more years, was a very significant impact on the passing game. So I think it's a thing that's happened periodically. I think teams are waking up to the fact that actually that's really very important and that it's running backs, catching the ball out of the backfield is not just something that's quite nice to do every now and then, but can actually be like a really significant part of your passing game. And obviously CMC is possibly the best example of that. I think probably is the best example of that. But it, I think it's a trend that's been coming and it's as much about coaches buying in philosophically as it is sort of any one player proving everyone else that it's possible. And and you also look at Cam, obviously, when, you know, when he was healthy and, and under North uh, Turner, you know, his, his completion rate went way up because he started looking at that check down more often. You had a reliable running back to be able to dump it off to who's going to catch it. You know, if, oh. if, he had a, if he had a Jonathan Stewart there and he's going with the check down, like you said, his 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 accuracy is probably going to go down. <laughs> yeah, no, no, down. You, you you know, ultimately the 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 easiest like you know, a lot of people talk about the um like run versus pass and efficiency and all of those kind of stuff. But but one thing that's kind of that Norv I think talked about quite well was the idea that you can you can in some ways use the passing game. Uh, as an extension of the running game that, that you can kind of if you can use the quick passing game as basically a way to get the ball into playmakers hands just in a bit more space and you don't necessarily have to to scheme it up a huge amount but just teams will give you the chance to, you know if you run a running back on a swing pass you can't really stop that from being completed you just it's in a matter of how much yardage it gets so it, it, it's it, it there are ways of kind of almost effectively using the passing game as a way to extend that the the idea of the conventional running game and, and that one leads to very high completion percentages but but also is is kind of allows for this kind of consistent yardage through the passing game in a way that you're just never going to get from a deep passing attack that will probably give you more reward but will lead to more incompletions cool well that's um a good insight into what makes a, a good running back so let's get into the draft then um yeah. we've heard a lot for for quite some time now about this draft being, you know, pretty strong, you know, particularly on offense. Um, so, what is your take on on how good this class is overall um, at running back this year? I think it's it's not quite as good as the receiver class, but it's quite similar in that while there aren't like a, you know, it's not like there are four or five first round options, but the the the, the depth of talent is really remarkable. That you're kind of going, and you know, this again speaks to the idea of the devaluation of the running back. But you know, you're looking at the tenth or fifteenth player on the board. And that's like that's a a player who can help a team. You know, you're looking at sort of, you know, maybe 15 or 20 players who 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 should see some level of 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 sort of snaps next year and and could be a a, a useful part of an offense. And that that's I think really remarkable that maybe there are there are potentially five or six guys who could be starting running backs week one next year if t if you know if they go to the teams that that need that. And there are probably another five or ten who can be you know significant rotation pieces fairly early on like it, it's they're not all there aren't necessarily a class full of superstars but there's there's a, a real depth of quality player at running back i think yeah i mean quite often certainly when you're coming up to draft time you see um previous drafts being talked about you know let's look back at the and then the 2013 draft and, and where they all are now um now we're getting into the sort of the, the latest stages of this and we're talking about some of these skill positions and, and the kind of players who are going to go in the first round. Do you think this is going to be one of those draft classes for the ages or is that going to be, is, you know, is it 
is going to be sort of an average level. I think it will be a really interesting draft class to look back on, because I, if I'm honest, I, I don't think this is a particularly strong class right at the very top. Like, it, you know, the, the, the 2011 class was just, you know, the first round was just this treasure trove of, of, of all pro and pro bowl and, you know, great talent. You know, Cam Newton, Julio Jones, AJ Green, Von Miller, Marcel Darius. You know, it, it was just chock full of really, really top tier players. Um I don't think it's this that kind of draft. I think it's more a draft where you'll look back and go like, how come there are 40 good starting players from this draft? Because you know, it, it's it's a draft that's going to be really good on day two, I think, not necessarily a draft that's going to be full of stars on day one, um, which obviously is not necessarily the most exciting thing for teams that have got a top five pick. Um, but I think if, if you're a... If you're a rebuilding team or a retooling team like the Panthers, who kind of realistically need a fair, you know, want to hit on a number of players, this is a, uh, a draft where you should be able to get good quality players, certainly through day two and possibly early into day three, where you're getting players who would who would normally be sort of top 60 picks falling to kind of late third round, early fourth round. So perhaps in a, in a few years' time, the interesting thing to look at might actually be which teams really messed up their day two picks in, in the 2020 draft then but, but i think that, that that that's kind of what separates teams a lot of the time like if you talk about like you know the, the old joke with herney is that he kind of you know he absolutely nails the first rounders and then it's kind of a bit of a, a mess after that but that that's part of the reason why the panthers have really struggled with consistency is because you know if you have a lot of star power that can take you a long way but you you need a depth of talent to be consistently successful and that's you know the patriots have done well not because you know, obviously Tom Brady is very, very good and Bill Belichick is an excellent coach and all kinds of things. But also because they're, if you look at the seventh or eighth best guy on their defense, that's a good player. And if you look at the seventh or eighth best guy on their offense, it's a good player. And it might not be full of stars, but there's a there's a depth of talent, at least historically there has been. And, and that kind of, it, it, you know, you can definitely screw up your draft on day one, but you can really make your draft on day two and early in day three. That That's how you can elevate, like, you know, a, a, a good draft for, to a really good draft is, is, is coming away with multiple quality starters, even if they're not superstars. Okay, cool. Well, let's let's jump into the board then and start yeah. having a look at some of the guys that you've picked out. Um, so you've got two guys that are, are sort of standouts in this class. Yeah. Um, and you've got DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Um, what is it that you like about these two? I think they're, they're generally just really quite complete players. Uh, I think they're probably the that they seem to be the two players who are getting some kind of late first round love and while i think that would be a little bit too rich for me i i for various reasons but but i I think they are probably the two guys who i think should be really quite good quality starting running backs from 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 day one um i don't think either of them are like the complete back i don't you know i don't think any of them are are sort of this sort of game changer you know christian mccaffrey type back but I think both can be a significant part part of an offense, and crucially, I think both can can not just be good runners with the ball, but I think both can be can be really significant pieces of the passing game as well in the right offense. Um, I think Swift is possibly the the more elusive of the two. I, I, I think Taylor is more downhill. I don't think he's just a downhill thumper. I think he's a lot more subtle than that. Even though Wisconsin predominantly used him in that way, um, but you know he. He's really hard to get down. He's got really good contact balance and he sort of keeps his, you know, he adds yards through contact. Um, he's not like 
the quickest to get, even though his deep speed's pretty good. Like his his sort of first five steps aren't super super fast, um, but he gets down re- downhill reasonably quickly. It's really hard to bring down. He's reasonably elusive um, and, and shows like the, the the top end speed to 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 to, to break plays and, and turn you know twenty yard runs into long touchdowns. Um, I think where neither of them are the best blocker, I think, you know, that doesn't mean that they're terrible, but but I think Swift genuinely isn't great, but but neither of them are going to be sort of great pass protectors from day one. Um, but I think both show good hands. I think Swift in particular is really quite a subtle route runner. I, I think Taylor can be a, a, an impactful part of a passing game. Though I think that's probably part of the reason why I have Swift slightly better is I think he is uh, a slightly more promising route runner, even if he's not necessarily a more developed one. Um, but I think I think both of them can be can be good players right away, even if they're not sort of top five running back type talents. Okay, so I mean, you mentioned there that um, there's been a lot of love for these guys, and potentially some of the love might be a bit rich for you. So where do you see them being taken in the draft? I mean, I think there's a chance they sneak into the back of the first round based on sort of the talk that's happening at the moment. I think. I'd be surprised if either of them made it to kind of pick 50. I think they're probably more they're, they're probably better value in the 35 to 50 range. I think that's probably where I would be kind of happy taking them if I was was in that that, that particular business. But um, yeah, I, I think they're probably late, very late first, early second type type prospects. Okay, so that's probably a good point to ask you then. What is your opinion on taking running backs quite high? Because this is something that I know with, with me and some of my mates, we talk about quite a lot. And um, a few of my mates, despite the fact they absolutely love McCaffrey and they think he's great, they still think that taking him that high was madness because you should never take a running back that high. Um, what's your thought on it? Are you, are you the same? Like they should be end of round one at best and, and into round two, like you said, or if you've got an exceptional talent like McCaffrey, is it? Is it worth it taking him that high? Because also, sorry, just remember, Fournette got taken pretty bloody high and has amounted to not a huge amount, <laughs> and certainly is is very much in the shadow of, of CMC from the same draft. Yeah, so I I think it, it it depends is is the short answer. So which I know is not the easiest thing to 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 deal with, but but I think McCaffrey is a good example of when it it probably makes as much sense as anyone. Um, so, admittedly, I, I think McCaffrey coming out was a really hard player to judge because he's, and I think this is maybe really gets to the heart of it, that his value was so tied into how he was used that if you were just going to use him as a kind of, you know, if, if he was used like Jonathan Stewart was used, you're not going to get enough value out of him to merit that. You know, he, the way to get value out of a running back is for them to be a, a fundamental piece of what you do offensively. And for that to be particularly valued, that probably has to involve the passing game to a very high degree. And while I think the Panthers didn't do a great job of that in the first year of McCaffrey, in the last couple of years particularly, they've done a really good job of him not just being force-fed the ball on screens and stuff, but actually like he is, he is, you know, if it's a third down of five, one of the players you're looking at to go to is Christian McCaffrey. He is, he is probably one of your, he is possibly your best underneath route runner. Um, since sort of the regression of Greg Olson, you know, he is he is the player you are looking to throw the ball to on third down and medium, possibly even third down and, and, and relatively long. And actually, then I think all of the stuff about running back value kind of goes out the window because in that case he's 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 acting more like a slot receiver, 
and he's a slot receiver who can also give you 2,000 yards on the ground, uh, potentially, you know, if, 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 you know, that was how you wanted to use him. So I think there's, I think McCaffrey probably does merit a high round pick. Like, I, I think there aren't many of those players who fall into that category, but, but if a, if a running back is genuinely going to be a significant piece of your passing game, then I, I think the, the kind of positional value arguments just go out the window um, because, the, one of the big things, if you, if you look at like the positional value analytics, and I, I, I would point out that I am quite sceptical of the details of a lot of these things, so I, I'm not saying just take them as, as, as gospel, but you know, receiver is valued really quite high on those, those those charts, and running back is valued right at the bottom. But if your running back is acting like a receiver 50% of the time, then that kind of you, you the sort of the the concrete labels of position no longer really apply. So I, I do think running backs who are able to not just catch the ball a lot, but actually impact the passing passing game schematically, though those guys don't really fall into the running back position value category. The other bit of it, I think, is also about how how you plan to use the running back as part of your scheme. And this, I think, is a little bit iffy because I I'm not totally sure that the schemes that really prioritize running back are necessarily that effective schematically. So I think it's almost the running back becomes more important to you, but you get worse as a result of it. So I think in that in that argument, you're potentially working against yourself. But say Derek Henry for the Titans, their scheme is built around the downhill run. It doesn't mean that he has to touch the ball every time, but but all their play action is built upon the idea, the threat of the downhill run. Um, and in those kind of schemes, the running back is more important schematically, though I think actually the difference between Derek Henry and Leonard Fournette in that scheme might not be that big. So I... I I basically, although there are caveats and it's more complicated than just don't take running backs high, the only time that you can really start justifying it is if they are really significant parts of your passing game. And whilst I think both Swift and Taylor can be good in that regard, I don't think either of them are going to go out there and start running, you know, legitimate routes out in space against like nickel corners and creating separation. So like I, that's what separates someone like McCaffrey from from Swift and Taylor. Yeah, a, f- a friend of mine, he. Um he calls McCaffrey a slot receiver. Um, I say friend, he's, he's an ex-friend, because every time he says it, I, I just get more and more angry about it. Anyway, we'll move swiftly on from that before <laughs> I uh, collapse into a ball of rage. Um, but if we follow on from the idea of the, the different types of running back then, um, and, and we stick around on the, the well-rounded types like, like Swift and Taylor, um, have you got any other players on your board that perhaps are those, you know, all-round running backs but aren't quite at their at their level and a bit further down the draft yeah so I've, I've got sort of three names who are sort of that don't be wrong i think these guys can all be starting like well-rounded running backs i just don't think they're quite in the same taylor as swift uh same category as swift and taylor um that's jk dobbins from ohio state uh Kishon vaughan from vanderbilt and clyde edwards hilaire from lsu i don't think they're all necessarily the same guy but i think all of them can be both a major part of a running game whilst also contributing the passing game and not just being a guy who comes in as part of a rotation. Dobbins, I think I have slightly ahead of the other two, um, and he is a bit different stylistically. He's more of kind of a take-it-to-the-house, hit-a-gap-and-go type runner. He doesn't run with a huge amount of power. Like he, I think, although he's not sort of, he's not built like a mechanic, yeah, he's, he's fairly well-built, um, but he's not, doesn't break a ton of tackles and kind of largely um you know once he gets tackled he goes down kind of thing um but he's got really good deep speed he he's he's gets up to speed well he kind of he can make the man miss in space which is quite nice 
Um, and although he's not going to like break down tackles, he can kind of knock off smaller hits quite well. Um, if you run a, a scheme where you want the running back to just get downhill quickly and add yards, I think he could be really quite effective. Um, and whilst again, a bit a bit like Swift, where like you can see the flashes of the route runner and he has good hands, but you kind of for him to be for him for these guys to enter that higher tier, they need to show more than just like they can be quite nice route runners, but they can be legitimately good route runners. So I think he's kind of a step down a bit for me, but I think he is a um, a, a really good running back. I think the only slight concern I have with him that, that I don't have um, with with Swift say is that I think Dobbins's vision is quite hit and miss. That that it's not that it's actually bad, but there are times when you'd kind of he, he there are plays he leaves on the field, which is a bit frustrating. But I think the plays he he makes are good enough that they make up for that on the whole. But the, but there are times when there's there's a bigger play to be made and he doesn't seem to see it. Um, Vaughn is not as explosive, um, but he's probably uh, more powerful as a runner. He breaks more contact. He's more 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 a bit more side to side stylistically, but also is more more able to deal with contact and probably adds more yards. Um, um, you know, uh, through contact. I think the the hit on him is that I don't think he's as good a running back, uh, a route runner yet as say Dobbins is. I don't think he's. I think he can be reasonably good in that regard. But I think he's his passing game is more more basic at this point. Um, and also, I, he's although he breaks more tackles and is sort of more physical in the box. I don't think he's necessarily the most elusive guy, and he he probably. You know, he doesn't consistently show the ability to make the last man miss. He's very good at getting to the point where he's taking on the last man, but the last man tends to bring him down. Um, Edward Hilaire is, is sort of another guy who, he was clearly a very big part of what LSU did schematically, and he does a lot of nice things. He gets downhill quite quickly, and he's, he's actually pretty quick, um, although he's he's not like the the, the not the most explosive guy, but but he, he can take it to the house very well. He's actually really quite a good receiver, and as he adds through contact, um, but again, he's another guy who isn't going to run over people and probably isn't great at making the last man miss either. That he he largely gets what's there, but very rarely breaks a play out of nowhere. That the you know if 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 he's left one on one with the last defender, he very rarely gets past the last defender. Um, I think the other concern I have with Edwards Hilaire, um, the Irish might have him a little bit below Vaughan again, is that again his vision. There are times when he just tries to break it, break it outside when that's just not going anywhere and actually needs to be more patient inside and maybe doesn't always see the running lanes developing inside as well as he could do but again this is more like nitpicking than kind of a real fundamental flaw with his game but I think those those are the three guys that if you were looking for like we need a starting running back they don't necessarily need to be a superstar and I don't want to spend the first round pick on them but I want a starter those are sort of the three guys I think most naturally fall into that category okay so I mean they're your your picks of of the all-rounders and the potential starters yeah um you know you we, we had a quick chat before we came on obviously about the other different types of running back and and there was one in particular that intrigued me so you've got power backs and balanced uh, but you've also got a scat back which is a phrase i've heard a couple of times but i've never really got my head around what a scat back actually is um, okay so could you cover that off in probably a little bit more detail than we covered off in the five seconds before we started recording? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So for the at least the way I use it, and I think the way it's it's largely been used um, as far as I know, scat back is kind of used to refer to generally more pass-focused rotation backs. So Darren Sproles, who I mentioned briefly earlier, is kind of a prime example of this. Someone who was never a 
a 250 carry a year type running back, um, but but made a significant impact on the passing game. Was you know third down back is the way I think Madden used to refer to it. If that's how you kind of think about the game, it's kind of it's it's the 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 more pass focused, generally slightly undersized running back, um, and you know the Panthers haven't really used that because you've got McCaffrey, who's kind of the ultimate composite back in that regard. But there are definitely teams where, say, New Orleans, um, where even when they had Ingram, but now they had uh, Murray, and they have Kamara, who again is sort of the, the upper tiers. But Kamara's game is he's not the full-time running back, and when he is used, his usage is more around the passing game compared to the running game than most running backs. So so like Alvin Kamara would be like the very top tier of this. Um, but but again, basically, running backs whose game is more focused around the passing game, generally slightly smaller, um, and aren't going to be you know the the guy. But if you've got like a two back set, they're generally sort of the more pass focused, more more elusive one of the, the the two, if that makes sense. Okay, well let's let's, let's stick around the, the scat backs then and, and talk through some of the guys that that you've identified. Um, yeah. There's four of these guys. So you've got what. Um, Jonathan Taylor, so got JJ uh, JJ Taylor, um, Rodney Smith, Eno Benjamin, and Jermichael Hasty are the four I think are, are the sort of um, the, the sort of the the, the the cream of the the, the scatback crop. So Taylor is an interesting one in that he is very small, so he's like five four five five. He is he's really really short. Um, and whilst that does have some effect, like his like take it to the house speed is is not great because his legs aren't very long. Um, he he gets up to speed really quickly. Um, although his deep speed's not great, it's good enough. Like he flashes a route runner. His contact balance is actually really really good. I don't think he's in the same class as the like of um, Terry Cohen, but he's kind of a similar, very small but very quite compactly built, quite explosive back. You know, creates a lot of big plays. Um, is not going to be the focus of your running game. Um, but I think he can be a, a a really significant piece for a team if they're willing to use him as sort of a rotation guy and a guy who who maybe gets five or ten carries a game. Like the, the way that some people, like the the people who are maybe more negative on it, thought that McCaffrey would be used, where he gets maybe ten catches a game and maybe gets ten carries a game, but is is not going to be the main focus. But for me, I think he's the the cream of that crop. Um, really quite explosive guy, but does have some some limitations. He's not going to be the main guy. Rodney yeah, Smith. Sorry, just just for the avoidance of avoidance of doubt there, I said Jonathan Taylor. We're talking about JJ Taylor. Yeah, yeah, JJ Taylor. Taylor is not five foot five. No, no, he's not. Um, <laughs> the next guy I've got is uh, Rodney Smith. Um, so he's sort of an interesting one in that. So he would have been one of the better running backs I think a couple of years ago. He chose to return to school and then got hurt and took a medical red shirt. Um, so. Yeah, he's kind of a little bit of a case of what could have been and you can still see the stuff that's really good but he's now like 23 with one major injury in his past and and does he isn't quite as explosive as he was pre-injury and so it's a little bit sad to see that he's he hasn't quite got back but he's got close enough that i think he is still one of the better guys in this class he's probably more physical he's really the most like physical of these four he's probably the closest to being a, a complete back um, but he reads the game really, really well. He's not going to run people over, and he's not that sort of downhill a runner. But he runs really quite a nice route tree. He's actually quite a subtle route runner. Um, he's got really good vision. He's got good contact balance, and he's quick enough that he can kind of make you know be a bit of a mismatch in the passing game and stuff. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because I, I don't know. Obviously, medically, he, he he's going to be a guy who needs needs to do well in medicals. 
Um, but even like this year where he came back after his injury, he wasn't quite as good as he was before, but he was still, I think, a really good back. His vision's really, really good. And he just, he, he's consistently getting yards extra to what is necessarily blocked for him by by reading the game well and by being having that little bit of quickness and power that allows him to add those extra few yards. Eno Benjamin is an interesting one. So I think he's maybe someone who's getting a he's, he's higher on other boards than he is on mine. But I can also see why he gets some love because there are times when he his vision is really good. He he manipulates right he does some like the very top tier vision type type stuff. Um He's got pretty good contact balance. He's, you know, runs pretty good routes with good hands. He he's reasonably elusive. He consistently kind of very good navigating through traffic, for example. He he adds yards to what is blocked for him compared to what most players would get. Um, however, again, he is one of the guys where I do have some concerns about his ball security. Not tons, but the way he runs with the ball, that that and there were a few fumbles when I was watching him on tape. So like he's he is a guy where that's maybe a little bit of a concern. Um, but also he just does like you know basically when he gets tackled he goes down and just does, you know doesn't do a great job of keeping his legs moving through contact he when when he does get tackled he pretty much you know he does a good job of avoiding getting tackled but when it when it happens he, he that's basically his his play over um i i i he yeah he's probably again with smith more on more towards the complete end of the scat back range but i think he he just does he's so limited in terms of what he can do through contact that if he's your primary ball carrier, you, I think you are going to struggle at times. Um, and the final one is Jamaica Hasty um, through Baylor and, and potentially someone for the Panthers to keep an eye on if he falls as a UDFA just because of his links to, to Matt Rule. But again, very explosive, um, gets you know pretty good deep speed, fairly de- um, developed receiver um, with pre- you know pretty good vision, uh, his contact balance. You know he has some yards for contact, not a ton, but but you know he, he's fairly elusive as well. Um, but he's one of those people who I think he is definitely not going to be a full-time back just because I don't, I just don't think he runs with enough power and he's just too easy to bring down that I think he, he is going to be a rotation piece. And the reason why I have him below the other guys is although he does flash as a receiver, I think he's probably the least developed receiver of the four. And so if, if you are looking for like a pass focused rotation guy, while he, he flashes the ability to become that, I think he's probably the one who will need the most work to be a significant part of a passing game. Okay, cool. So um, I mentioned a couple of the other categories, if you like, of, of running backs that we're going to cover off. So we've we've done scat. Let's let's look at the power backs. So these are the guys. These are your these these are your big guys. Do you mean to call them almost like a fullback? Sort of yeah, role? yeah. I don't think quite that extreme. I think. Um... Yeah, Michael Warren might, might be getting a bit close, um, but I think it's more that they're they're not going to break a ton of big plays, um, and I think they neither of them are like they don't necessarily get up to speed super quickly, and and they're not I, I, Moss for so these are this is um this is Zach Moss and um, uh, Michael Warren. Um, I, Moss isn't gonna sort of like he he's more again he's the more balanced of the two. And I think he's definitely so he's my number four running back overall. So I think he's definitely uh, someone who could potentially be a full time starter. Uh, so he, he's close to sort of the Dob, he's in the sort of the Dobbinson Vaughan category. But I think he is probably more limited in what he can do. I think he's he's very good at what he can do. You know, he he gets up to speed really, really, really quickly. He's got really good contact balance. He reads the game really well. Um, he's actually probably one of the, the better ones of the top guys in pass protection. And it can be a significant part of a receiving game. But he's not 
going to be a guy who splits out wide and is running one-on-one routes. He's not super explosive. He's more smooth. Um, oh, Kerryon Johnson is, well, I think was a bit better than Moss, but they're not that dissimilar in that they're guys who aren't going to be sort of, you know, getting downhill and, and, and exploding for, for sort of 30-yard gains, but are very smooth runners, read the game really well, have enough sort of contact balance and elusive, um, elusiveness that they're kind of able to add yards compared to what's blocked for them. But but yeah, I, I think Kerryon Johnson is kind of maybe someone to think about as someone who's more vision-focused and more sort of subtle, but is probably um, still a starting caliber running back, but but is not going to be someone who necessarily jumps off the tape um, at you. Warren, on the other hand, is more of the kind of pure power type guy. Um, you know, uh, P. Ryan um, is, a, is another, not in this class, the, the P. Ryan who came out of Oklahoma a few years ago. Guys who who are kind of, you know, get up to speed relatively quickly, read the, you know, again, reads the game quite well, but, you know, keeps legs churning through, you know, he consistently adds yards through contact. Contact balance is good. He's actually pretty good in pass protection as well and, and has enough ability in the passing game that I don't think he's just like a, a thumper. Um, but again, like he he's he's not so powerful that he's kind of just a downhill thumper and he's not that elusive either which is why i have him a bit lower that 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 he's he's you know he is more powerfully built but he's he's not gonna make a huge amount of people miss and he's not gonna kind of subtly navigate through a load of blocks and sort of somehow end up the other side of a load of defenders um 20 yards down the field in a way that McCaffrey seems able to do so he is you know in a way, he'd probably be more of a natural complement to McCaffrey if you were looking for sort of a later round rotation piece. But he is, yeah, I, I think he's more of like, you know, if you again, if, if we're talking about earlier, where you have like the two rotation guys, he's the more physical one of the two. I think if if, if you if you want to view it that way. Okay, so that's your your power guys. Um, you've also got a, a category that you're calling balanced. Mm. So who who have you got in that category? So um, that for me is. Um, Sorry, that is Cam Akers and um, uh, what's his face, uh, Darrington Evans. Um, so these are guys who I think they're they're kind of in other positions what I've kind of described as developmental, where they're they're it's not that they're kind of a scat back or a power back. They're kind of they can maybe be starters down the road, but they maybe are have less of a they don't they haven't quite filled out their skill set to the point where you kind of go well this guy's a starting running back just throw him in there. Um, Akers is possibly the more complete and he's one of those guys who does a reasonable number of things fairly well but doesn't really have any sort of really elite traits like you know he, he he's he's a fairly competent pass catcher he's a reasonably good runner has deep you know pretty good vision he's relatively elusive has a little bit of power but is not kind of there's no one trait that makes you think this is the guy who's going to be a significant impact he's sort of the very much the this is a replacement level a, a, a replacement level starter type type running back and that's fine and it's worth something but I think he's for me I'm not quite as high on him as some others are where I, I mean it didn't he also is someone who ran behind a terrible offensive line for Florida State last year so he's maybe a little bit harder to judge based on his 2019 tape because he was having to do an awful lot of work um, but he yeah fairly well rounded but not spectacular Darrington Evans is a little bit more more interesting in that he shows really, really good vision. He's very elusive. He's fairly quick. Um, his contact balance is pretty good uh, and is a, it can take it to the house relatively okay. Like as, as, a, as a pure runner, he's actually really, really quite nice. His question mark is that he's not quite good enough as a runner that he's going to be just the guy who gets 20 carries every game. 
but also is very raw as a as a receiver. And I think for him, you know, he's somebody who, you know, if, if you were an NFL team, would have been great to have a workout with if that was possible. Because if you think he can be a significant part of your passing game as well, he then moves himself up into the sort of the, the Keyshawn Vaughn, Edwards Hilaire type category. But for me, it's just that little step below because his receiving game is more of a question. Um, I think he's someone who could be a really uh, interesting late round pick. Uh, but again, it's one of the things where because he wasn't really throwing the ball very much, although it looks like he can catch fairly well and that his route running could be OK, not being sure of that, it's hard to say that he's actually going to be anything other than just a guy who catches a few checkdowns every now and then. And and, it, and if he is that, again, you're in that category where he's just not impacting the passing game at all and that there's a ceiling on how valuable he can be as just a, a, a good runner of the ball. Okay, so I mean, we've obviously covered a, a number of different sort of specialist backs there, and you touched on it a little bit there. Um, but let's just dig a little deeper into some of the differences between the well-rounded backs that you mentioned earlier. Um, so you know, your Dobbins, Edwards, Hilaire, for example, against balanced like Ed, um, Evans and Acres. What's the difference between balanced and and, and well-rounded here? So I think a little. So it, there's sort of it is a little bit different between Acres and and uh, Evans. So for, for Acres, I think it's it's basically just quality that he's just not as good. And although he's still got a fairly reasonable collection of traits, none of them are quite good enough. Like I, Evans is someone who you draft hoping you can develop as a route runner, because um, if you can't, he's kind of a rotation piece at best. Um, whereas Acres is someone who it's more. So he's a prime example of why running backs are being devalued, not because he's bad, but because he's fine. But you can get, you know, he's for me, he's my 10th running back on the board and he's like a passable starter. And and that's why running backs are being devalued. It's not because there aren't a few guys who can make significant impacts. It's because if you just want a passable guy who follows his blockers, gets what's blocked for him, doesn't screw anything up you can get him in the fifth or sixth round and you don't, you know, or you can sign him in free agency. You can get you know, Alfred Morris is a guy who's again, quite limited in the passing game, but you can sign Alfred Morris for, for peanuts and have been able to for pretty much his entire career. And he's like a, a multiple thousand time yard, multiple times thousand yard rusher. And acres is another guy where you put him in the right scheme. He does what's asked of him. He can be a productive back, but he's not going to elevate your running game at all. And that's kind of, effectively anyone who you think is decidedly worse than cam Akers, you probably shouldn't be drafting because you can just pick that guy up on the streets and anyone who you've got you know i have got some people graded below him um who i've talked about but they're all players who i think have some ability to develop to better players than him although although they're not as good right now they can maybe be better players down the line um whereas really like if you're just like passable you Scotty Phillips, who I haven't really mentioned, is is the old Miss running back who again is probably going to be taken in the late, you know, mid to late day three. And like he's fine, but there's nothing he does that you probably couldn't sign a guy for a million dollars a year or less to do. Um and, and so this is kind of where you get into the the value of running back type things. It, it is these cam acres sort of these balanced type players where they're not bad, but they're not going to significantly make you better anyway uh, either. Okay, cool. So, um, well, on the subject of running backs, and you mentioned just then about you know paying someone a million dollars a year to, to do a job. Um, we we often see running backs have a, a season or, or you know, maybe two where they you know they really hit it and, and they they play really well, and then they get these outrageous contracts. Yeah. Um, struggling to think of many where that turns out to do particularly well longer term. Um, yeah. That's just 
that you, I've probably given away my opinion on those kind of deals. Um, what's what's your take on them? I mean, what do you think about paying running backs? So I think it's a bit similar to the, the should you take them high argument that it depends on what they can do. That if if the running back you're paying is very much a ball carrier who can who you know his value is all in what he can do ball in hand inside the tackles um i think you'd be very hesitant there like you know ultimately running back a bit like quarterback is if you stick them behind a terrible offensive line there's pretty much nothing they can do to rectify that situation that you know a left tackle can do their job well even if everyone else around them is screwing up whereas if the offensive line can't get the job done the running back can't perform miracles like no running back is going to make a you know is going to make a a good rushing attack out of a bad offensive line um and and similarly with scheme like if you've got a running scheme that just doesn't work that isn't intelligently thought out that is putting way too much pressure on the on the offensive line or the running back or 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 whatever the running back with talent can't overcome that like Todd Gurley's second year is a prime example of that of someone who was just put behind a bad offensive line and there was really nothing he could do and sure maybe he got 3.2 yards rather than the three yards that that someone else might have got but essentially he's you know he's not able to really add much value so i think if you are going to pay a running back you have to be confident that they can do more than just run the ball behind a competent offensive line i like you know you'd much rather have a decent running back for two million dollars a year behind a star offensive line than a star running back behind a decent offensive line um but then you also get this thing where you know if they can impact the passing game in a significant way then that kind of counts that like like McCaffrey is a good you know, obviously there's going to be the conversation with the Panthers about how much they pay McCaffrey I I think the running back contracts of the very top tier have all not worked out you know Le'Veon Bell's contract does not look good Zeke Elliott's does not look good and Todd Gurley got cut and those were sort of the three really big running back contracts um and like I think Derek Henry is you know because Gurley got cut Derek Henry is now like the fourth highest paid running back and his is the franchise tag uh, maybe the third highest paying running back. You know, basically, the move is away from the super high paid running back. Like, I don't think maybe McCaffrey has more leverage, and maybe you know, it's hard to hypothesize what money people will get. But I think the blockbuster running back contract is probably not going to happen anytime soon unless teams really screw up. But I think if a guy like McCaffrey, who is a significant part of the passing game, I think you're still going to see double digit contracts uh, per year. But I think it's probably there's going to be a regression towards a lower value, I think, than there has been. At the sort of, I think people got a little bit carried away with sort of the, the Rams offensive a couple of years ago where Todd Gurley was running all over people and maybe overvalued the position a little bit. And now it's kind of calmed back down again. Because they've seen how that contract panned out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he, 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 surely he, there's a, a, a the factor of how much you know, running backs get beaten up and actually yeah. how much their bodies can take because suddenly you're paying someone you know double digit you know well way into double digit you know values per year or whatever and you know a running back only needs one snap to i mean let's be honest or any player can get injured yeah. on any snap but you know some of the the, the force and, and the pressure that goes onto a running back's body you know it almost seems crazy to to pay them so much when when you compare to you know a quarterback who yeah, there are literally rules in place to protect them. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, we can debate whether or not they were enforced when Cam was playing for us. Yeah. But, but you see what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, you're paying no, someone I... so much money, and they they could one snap 
first game of the season, you know, it, it could be all over quite easily. Yeah, so I think I have kind of um, slightly mixed opinions on that. So again, like I think it, it depends how you use them. Like if you're just going to give a guy 250 carries, 300, 400 carries a year up the middle, yeah, no, you, you, you know that guy is not going to last beyond like 26, 27. You know that 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 is the sort of Demarco Murray, Todd Gurley regression of like if you just give someone the ball 25 times a game every game, they're just their body's going to be shot. I think the argument that you'd make with McCaffrey and where the Panthers, I think, really need to change if they're going to do this intelligently is that rather than giving him 25 carries a game and 10 targets, give him 15 carries a game and 15 targets and get someone else in to do some of the carrying. Because ultimately, Christian McCaffrey is is remarkable. You know, he's a really good ball carrier, but he's, you know, a lot of what he does, like the, the argument with running backs is not that, that, that what running backs do isn't necessarily valuable, but that it's just incredibly reproducible. So have someone reproduce a lot of it. Don't, don't you know, if it's third and one and you're running a halfback dive, put someone else in because that's not what McCaffrey's great at anyway. You're not really adding a huge amount of value by having McCaffrey in there over Bonifon. And you might as well rest McCaffrey's body from being hit right straight on by a linebacker. But what you should then do is increase the number of snaps where he is proportionally at least where he's working out in space as a route runner because that's the way he can really elevate you know, the, the difference between christian mccaffrey and reggie bonifon you know mccaffrey is a better runner but probably the difference in terms of the number of yards they add per carry probably isn't that huge because you know it isn't like there are some running backs who run for eight yards a carry and there are some who run for four most even the good running backs are somewhere between four and five you know it, it's marginal gains as ball carriers Whereas the difference between McCaffrey and, I don't know, yeah, Reggie Bonifon as route runners, even Bonifon, who was a converted receiver, is significant. You know, what McCaffrey can add to a passing game is huge. So so the focus, if you want to, to get the value whilst limiting the number of hits, is to shift the usage away from just being downhill ball carriers and towards them, towards the plays where McCaffrey really adds a lot of value rather than just the sort of run into a pile of men type carries. I think for, for me, as a as a fan who, like I said, I'm by no means an expert, and, and I may be exaggerating somewhat here, but the biggest frustration for me was, you know, it's the fourth quarter, we're three scores down, it's third and 52, and and McCaffrey's being handed the ball, <laughs> and he's like, what what are they doing? It it just felt like we were playing him in so many unnecessary snaps, um, and something you said, obviously, it is a, not quite such an exaggeration, you know, if it's third and one what are you giving it to him for why were we not trying to protect such a valuable asset to the team yeah i mean i think the like him still carrying the ball in the fourth quarter when you're down three scores that's just i think bad coaching like that that you know that that's that's not a strategic or schematic argument that's just a, you should be resting your star players there's no point you know i, I think late in, i think with McCaffrey they were going for the thousand thousands and like some you know there was definitely times where he was getting the ball as a way of trying to force that um, which you know, you know, I, I wouldn't be what I'd be doing. But you know, if McCaffrey wants to be out there and it's something he's banging the table to do, I think you probably can't say right. It's, you know, week eleven of the season, we're sitting you now. Um, but but yeah, no. If, if the game is lost, that's that's just co- competent coaching rather than scheme or anything else. Yeah. So I mean, let's let's talk about the Panthers. But before we do, let's let's keep things in Charlotte and cover off um, perhaps one last player because we've covered off most people we want to talk about now but 
perhaps we should talk about uh, Benny LeMay out of Charlotte. Um, yeah. Bring us back into a sort of Carolina Charlotte sort of theme. conversation. <laughs> we'll come around full circle. Yeah. So, I, so partly the reason I want to talk about it is because I think a lot, there are, a lot of people have shown some interest in Benny LeMay. Um, he's so I have quite a low grade on him. I don't think he's someone that you should spend a draft pick on. I think I've got like a sixth. Yeah, I've got a late, you know, mid to late sixth round grade on him. But that's not really taking it to a sort of running back value type stuff. And I think, you know, once you start factoring that in, I think he's someone who's quite hard to justify drafting. Maybe if he's a UDFA, I think I, I would certainly, he does some things well. Um, I just, you know, he reads the game really well and he's got a pretty good contact balance. And like he is quite a subtle and crafty runner. But he's just such a limit. I think he's just, for, by the NFL standard, he's a really quite limited athlete. Um, he's just not very explosive at all. Um, and I, but he also doesn't really do very much the passing game, I think, is one of the things. Like, if he was kind of, you know, if you, if you thought he was going to be, like, a, at least a competent receiver, I think you maybe have a bit higher. But I, I think he's one of those people who's in that unfortunate category of really, really good college player, but just doesn't quite have the talent that's going to carry over in a, in a positive way to the NFL. Like, don't me wrong, I think he ha- could have, like, a, a, an NFL career, but I'm not sure that he's going to add significant value to someone else you could just pick up as a UDFA. And so it, it, it's... I think he's probably someone who, if he is a UDFA, the Panthers probably should bring in because I think he could be a, a, a you know, positive camp body. But uh, yeah, I I know there are people who'd like him to 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 do well in the NFL, and I, you know, obviously you wish everyone the best, but I I, I can't see how he's going to be a, a significantly positive influence on a, a an NFL rushing game. Okay, well let's let's keep going on the Panthers then, and obviously we, we've spoken a fair bit. Uh, about them already um, I feel like this is probably going to be the, the shortest part uh, of the podcast um, do you think we're going to spend anything on running back here I, I would be I would be very surprised if they spent the draft pick on a, a running back I mean maybe that's not fair I think it, you know it, it, if particularly if the Panthers end up with sort of you know um, if they add a few seventh round picks through or you know late round picks through a trade down or something or, or you know pick you know whatever happens I think if 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 you've got you know late round picks going spare, I, I think the idea that you know well, say JJ Taylor falls to the seventh, you know I don't think JJ Taylor is going to be the difference between the Panthers being successful or not next year or in two years time, but I think he's good value there, and I don't think you're necessarily going to get you know at a certain point in the draft positional need kind of goes out the window because there are so few players left who've got sort of NFL significant NFL talent that you just take who's left basically. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's not going to be a position they send you. Know, if if they spend significant assets on the position, you've really got to wonder what what they're what they're doing. Um, yeah, this could I, be fun next year if they do. <laughs> I, I, it would. I mean, I I know there's been some kind of malcontent about the fact that the Panthers didn't exactly have the longest pre-draft press conference in the world the other day. I think if they draft a running back high the press conference might be all of about 20 seconds because they're, 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 that's not going to be a press conference full of nice, easy, knock-out-the-park type questions. There's That would be a really hard thing to justify, I think. Almost sounds a bit fun, but <laughs> yeah. let's hope it doesn't happen. Um, okay, so that just about wraps us up then for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we, are, we are fast running out of time now until... Um, the first ever virtual draft. Yeah. Um, so what have we got left? Who, who are we covering next week? Uh, next week is the last of the positional breakdowns, which will be the edge rushers. So kind of 
both four three defensive ends and three four outside linebackers I've kind of grouped together as, as edge rushers and obviously some teams will have different value we'll talk about it more then but some teams will probably be more focused on some prospects than others but I think it's just easier to, to talk about them as, as one group and actually you know Brian Burns is a great example like the Panthers draft him to be a three four outside linebacker but if they move to a four three they're not going to get rid of him they're going to find a way to make him work so barring the very extreme examples they they you know teams would rather have the better player than the one who's necessarily a better scheme fit and uh quite a bit of film to watch on that one would you say yes yes I, i'm going to have a busy week fortunately there's not exactly <laughs> a lot going on in the world right now so uh, yes <laughs> we've almost timed this quite well <laughs> yes yes Cor- coronavirus in some ways has been really quite helpful certainly for my sleep anyway <laughs> oh i'm sleeping way too much at the moment it's it's <laughs> It's shocking. Right. Um, I'm, I'm finding I'm having like an afternoon nap. I've turned into an old age pensioner um, <laughs> as a result of all this. It's, 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 it's quite, quite scary. Yeah, I've got no hair anymore because I've <laughs> off. Um, I'm basically an alcoholic, sleeping during the day and morbidly obese. So, yeah. Yeah, if the coronavirus doesn't nothing. get you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's many other things that will. Cool. Well, um, Thank you uh, very much, Vincent. Um, guys, you know, please do subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Um, tell your friends, family, and, and any other Panthers fans that you know uh, about us, or even non-Panthers fans as well, because we do brush on the Panthers, but most of it is about the draft. Um, do also feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Royal Riot UK. Uh, Vincent, where can people send their fan mail to you? I am at V Richardson 444. Great. Thank you, Vincent. Uh, that's all from us this time. But do join us next time on The Great British Drafting Show. Bye. Bye. recording this josh has got some gold here oh yeah <laughs> oh my god he's not gonna start doing an outtake is he uh, i think yeah no i think that would probably be i think we've probably sworn too much in the outtakes that's the plan yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck off josh <laughs> you can't use any of this <laughs>